Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Health Nerd Podcast, where every week we bring you fascinating conversations with the movers, shakers, and innovators in food, health, agriculture, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Teresa Sam Houghton, Chief Nerd at the Modern Health Nerd. Today, I'm talking with Sonali Figueres of Green Queen Media. Sonali founded Green Queen in 2011, and it has since grown into an award-winning media platform and is now the world's leading source for Asia-Pacific alternative protein industry news. I actually first met Sonali on Clubhouse after reading Green Queen for a while and was very happy to be able to get her on the podcast. We had a rich conversation that spans everything from what prompted Sonali to start Green Queen to eco-conscious, eco-friendly packaging to, of course, alternative protein, and also why it's really important for consumers not to get lazy in this age of abundant information and to do their due diligence for us to do our due diligence before we purchase products to know that they meet our standards of health and ethics and sustainability. It's a really great conversation. I'm excited to share it with you. Before we get into that, just want to remind you that you can give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform if you want to continue supporting the podcast, help us to get the word out a little bit more. And if you'd like to know when new episodes of the podcast go live and get that right in your inbox, you can head over to modernhealthnerd.com slash news and drop your email in the sidebar box to sign up. Now, my conversation with Sonali Figueres, founder of Green Queen Media. So, Sonali, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad you were able to join me today. I've been following your work with Green Queen, and I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm really excited to be here. Could you just give the listeners a little overview of who you are, what you do, and what inspired you to start Green Queen, and particularly digging into the alt-protein and plant-based space? Yeah, sure. So I'm half French and half Indian, and I grew up in Hong Kong, as you do. Um, and I went to university in the US, and then I worked in in London, and then I came back to Hong Kong. So I have sort of a funny um, kind of journey around the world. Um, I had a bunch of health problems, chronic health issues that did not really have a cure and weren't getting any better, no matter how many doctors I went to. Um, And then I eventually figured out that I needed to sort it out myself by doing my own research. And it ended up with me researching the food system and the food I was eating and how broken everything was and how, you know, the food I was eating was making me sick and the products I were using were making me sick, et cetera, et cetera. And that led me to really change my life and live this kind of more ethical, green, plastic-free, toxin-free, you know, pesticide-free life, or I was trying to anyway. And that's what led me to start Green Queen. It was originally just a blog for me to share information about living a a greener, healthier, safer, and better life. And then eventually I turned it into more of a media company because I didn't really want me to be at focal point of it. And actually for the first four years, my name and my photo weren't on it um, because I actually was quite a reluctant media owner. Um, And, you know, I still don't have an Instagram page. So I'm just, I'm very kind of not, that's not what I want to do is like be an influencer and share every minute of my life. I'm much more interested in kind of information and trends and kind of signals um, of how the world is changing. And I think I figured out 
a while ago that the world was going to change, that there was going to be this whole type of consumer, new consumer like me who had health issues or had learned disturbing facts about, you know, the climate crisis or their f- the food crisis. And that had pushed that them to make different choices in how they consumed food and fashion and, and all kinds of consumer goods and lifestyle habits. And so I felt like we really needed a, a place in Asia to chronicle that shift. And that's really what Green Queen is at its ethos, right? My job is to decide what goes out um, in terms of the news that we cover and the stories that we write. And, and everything has a point. The whole, it, I'm always coming at it from, will this piece, you know, make someone's life richer, either by informing them or inspiring them or empowering them with data and information that will then enable them to influence others. And so that's really how it came about. And especially with the idea to give a, a very Asian identity and voice to a movement that is global, when I felt that a lot of the media in this space is, is very Western-centric. It sounds like we have some similar goals with the kind of content that we're producing because I have a health coaching background. And so obviously I have that thing where I like to help people and I want to make sure that when I put stuff out, it's helpful as well. So I'd love to hear that that's really what's behind what you're doing. Particularly with the Asian space in alt protein, there seem to be a lot of interesting trends either going on there that aren't going on elsewhere or starting there and then spreading to the Western world. So what have you seen from the Asian space that's particularly unique in plant-based and alt protein right now? Well, there's so many things that are unique. One, um, there seems to be more of an embracing of things like whole food plant-based. So things like jackfruit and mushrooms and, and, and things like that. There also seems to be a lot more women founders. I don't know why, especially in the cell-based space. There seems to be an acceleration of cell-based companies. So there, there just seems to be more of an appetite for cell-based. If you look at the number of companies per country um, and the, num- the number of years it took for those to happen, um, seafood tends to be a lot more on people's minds, which makes sense because seafood is a bigger part of people's diets here, I would say. The kind of meat alternatives that are being produced obviously tend to be less about beef replacement and more about pork and chicken. And of course, the the formats and the textures of these products are much more adapted to Eastern cuisines, Asian regional cuisines. And, you know, we need things for dumplings and we need things for skewers and we need things for bows and we need, you know, we need things for stir fries. It's very, very different than, you know, ground meat for a hamburger. I'd love it if we had more in the U.S. for stir fries. I think there's there's definitely going to be more on that. And you're going to see a lot more Asian companies going to the U.S. because it does seem like in the U.S. a lot of the products are very much geared for European style cuisines and dishes. But as we both know, in the United States, there are huge communities around like regional cuisine cultures like Filipino cuisine and Cambodian cuisine and, you know, Vietnamese cuisine and different types of Indian cuisine and different types of Chinese cuisine. So those are going to require a much wider variety of meat alternatives. We even have, I know, at least some of it, an Asian community in my area. We have an Asian supermarket and that's where our Asian community tends to shop. There's a lot of people there who go there for 
all of their stuff. And I don't know if that's going to be a place where some of this will start showing up, but that would be kind of neat to see it coming into those specific communities as well as the wider community. So what really got you interested in digging into not just plant-based, but this whole future of food? Because you started off with the greener living and now you are doing so much with future of food. You are on top of some of the latest trends. What really sparked you wanting to do more of that? First of all, Green Queen was always primarily about food. So green living for me is about food because my life is about food. I come from a long line of food obsessed people. My grandmother was a famous cook. My mother is a famous cook. She has her own cookbook. Um, I started cooking when I was really young, like five or six. Um, So food was always part of it. Um, However, about five or six years ago, I noticed there was this whole new type of product coming out. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go to some of the world's biggest food shows as part of my job with my other company, Eco Warehouse. So I was exposed to some of these early players like Beyond Meat and Miyoko's and Califia and all of these people. And I felt there was a shift when I tasted their products. I felt like we were getting out of the kind of vegan community product type to a product that was really aimed at meat eaters or dairy drinkers and really aimed at kind of shifting people away from meat by making it really a one-to-one analog. And so I really felt these companies were doing something tremendously different. Um, And that was around the time that the, the data linking you know, the livestock industry and climate change was really starting to come out in more places, still not at a mass level. And this is back in 2015, but enough that I was very concerned. Um, And so in 2016, I actually decided to stop covering meat and seafood and dairy on Green Queen, because prior to that, we had still covered it under like humane meat or sustainable seafood. And, you know, I, I always say that I stopped eating seafood a long time before I stopped eating meat because of the ethical implications, the slavery inherent in shrimp and prawn farming, for example, that came out in the guardian, I think in 2006. So already back then I was really wary. Then I sort of, I got a dog And it started to feel weird to be eating animals and have a dog. All of that stuff just kind of started coagulating in my mind. And eventually the the literature and the research just made it impossible for me to continue having a sustainably focused publication that would be advocating any kind of animal consumption. So very early on, I took that out, out of the equation. Um, and it wasn't easy because we had had meat advertisers like like humane butchers and all this, and we were known for for that content. But it just it just made no sense to me, and I personally wanted to get it out of my diet. And I just thought, well, there is about a gabillion blogs and media companies that cover mainstream food, and so why not have us be a space dedicated to animal free eating? Um, and so. That's when that started. And around that time, I also wrote the first article about these alt protein companies. At the time, I did not call them alt protein. I called them food tech companies. Um, And I wrote about 
you know, Hampton Creek, which is today Eat Just and Beyond Meat and Impossible and Notco and New Wave Foods and Memphis Meat and believe it or not, Soylent, which I probably wouldn't cover again. But I basically just said these companies are changing, are revolutionizing the food system. And that's, I, I saw that very clearly for me. Like I felt these companies were going to be worth billions of dollars and they were going to steal market share from meat and dairy and fish. And they were going to really, really convince people that, you know, you can enjoy yourself, but not eat meat. And then they did. And because we were one of the first media companies chronicling them worldwide, you know, it just grew from there. And then there just felt like the importance of having a voice for the Asian companies in the space and not having it just be about Beyond Meat and Impossible, which for a long time were, you know, the the two biggest names um, and still today, you know, dominate the headlines. We, I really felt like, okay, well, what's happening in our space? And obviously I had a very close relationship with Green Monday. So I was able to really write a lot about them and, and follow their evolution very, very closely, you know, before they were more known across the world. And then that happened for many different companies across the region. And then we became known for that. And then, you know, we started the food tech newsletter, which became the all protein weekly newsletter. And it's just grown from there. And then we eventually got, you know, dedicated writers. And why do we cover, you know, we're not all protein queen, we're green queen. And we still cover all kinds of other news that a lot of our alt protein readers maybe are not as interesting. We cover fashion, we cover packaging, we cover green finance, we cover the climate crisis, we cover beauty, we cover zero waste, uh, we cover plastic waste. I mean, we cover it all. It's not just about alt protein, but we do dedicate a lot of space to all protein. And the, the, the reason for that is because of the landmark study um, where, you know, over 60 scientists from across the world said to the world, the number one way that you can have an impact on the climate crisis is by reducing meat and dairy off your plate. And so we felt like the biggest thing we could do is provide this excitement and this inspiration um, of this innovative kind of group of founders and companies that are looking to really change what's on your plate to help the planet. Um, And, you know, so that's why 60% of what we cover is, is about that news. But we also cover everything else because I strongly believe in the importance of context. Well, I'm interested in a lot of that other stuff, especially the packaging. Packaging really excites me with where packaging is going because I listened to the second season of the Red to Green podcast all about the packaging waste. And now every single time I do something that's got like a plastic package or a single use pack, I'm like, what am I doing? So I'm glad that you guys cover that as well because I feel like there's a revolution going on there too. I mean, what trends have you seen there as well? Since you're right, they do go hand in hand. Well, you can be the first one to to hear the news, the first podcast that I will share it with, but I just closed pre-seed funding for a new platform that I'm launching with a really fantastic and super smart guy called Luke that I've been working with for over a year. And it's called sourcegreenpackaging.com. And it's going to be the world's first green packaging e-marketplace. That's super exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So can you share about how that's going to work or is that going to be secret until it shows up a little bit more publicly? Just very basically, it's going to be a place where where businesses, it's it's for businesses specifically, will be able to source, you know, certified or verified or, or curated 
green packaging solutions for food, retail, F&B, you know, supermarket products, fashion and products, like especially in inventory management. Um, yeah, all kinds of basically solutions that are truly green that will consider things like life cycle analysis and end of life use case and things like that. And it will be plastic free, obviously. I love it. You heard it here first, I hope. I don't know by the time this airs if it'll be first or not, but even if it's not, it's super exciting. It's something that we need, and I am grateful to you for taking the initiative on that. It's going to make it a lot easier, I think, for people to have a a central place to be able to find stuff like that, and then it'll make it easy downstream for consumers to purchase things that they feel a little better about in terms of, like you said, the end of life of the packaging. It doesn't just wind up in the trash and in the landfill. Absolutely. Because I think, unfortunately, and and Marina's podcast is fantastic. Um, We're actually in the middle of listening to it with Luke at work. And she's she's a fantastic uh, interviewer and really did her homework. Um, and, And what it really shows you, and this is what I feel people hate to hear, is that there are no shortcuts. There's no black and white. There isn't a perfect solution for every situation other than don't buy anything, you know, make all your own food from scratch. But in, in the modern world, that's just, that's not realistic for people. And I don't know that it should be. And even then, if you look at the food supply chain, you could make an argument that says that's not even going to work 100% either because of all the different issues that we have along the food supply chain and farming. And that could be another entire conversation. I was thinking about that the other day, and I kind of had to cut the thought process off because I started to get into that downward spiral world. It's like, I just have to be a hermit and live in a minimalist house to do absolutely nothing that makes an impact that's negative. (laughs) Exactly. I mean... I think the, the the issue is there aren't easy answers. And I think that convenience has been a great thing for so many people and liberated us from so many things. And there are arguably some huge net positives to society from having things become more convenient and accessible. But what it's also done is it's made us want convenient information and convenient facts and convenient ideas. And what that's done is it's kind of liberated us or taken us off the hook for doing our homework, doing our own research, doing our own checking up on things. And so we're just more than willing to let someone else do the due diligence because for a lot of people, due diligence is boring or uninteresting and nuanced answers is not really as fun as saying, well, here, if you eat this food, you know, you're going to lose 10 pounds. Or if you, you know, choose this packaging, you're not going to be doing any damage to the earth. And, you know, if only things were that simple, and they certainly sound that simple, thanks to marketing and advertising and and influencers and, and social media, but they're just not. And I think as we've gotten busier and just more distracted and more kind of buried in avalanches of content, we've just retracted even more from really doing that research and doing that homework, which seems kind of pointless, but there are no shortcuts. Like if you want to be an engaged consumer on this planet and really take into account ethical, environmental, social considerations, you're going to need to do your homework. There is no one site that can save you. There is no one certification that can meet all the criteria. You know, there is, it's just, we're not there yet. Possibly one day, thanks to transparency and supply chains and 
activism, um, we will get there, but it's not today. It's interesting. I was just having, uh, at least on one part, an interesting conversation about that on Clubhouse with certification about what do consumers see when they see a certain certification and what does it stand for for them and how many separate ones are we going to need to have to cover all the bases? But you're right, there is no one black and white solution to everything. With that said, just a couple of kind of related questions. First, just doing Green Queen, what trends have you been most excited about in the recent past? I think ungrowth, the, the French call it uh, décroissance. And I don't feel we have as, as elegant of a term in English, but essentially the idea is us wanting less and buying less and having less. And I see the beginnings of, the, of these trends and I see Gen Z, they're more comfortable renting instead of buying and they don't need to own as much stuff. So I think that's a really exciting trend because I don't know that we can fight the climate crisis if we don't curb demand and growth, right? Um, the other trend that I really like is, you know, this is kind of similar to, you know, the philosophy of donut economics, but you could look at it as like B Corp companies and, you know, benefit corporation structures. And, and the idea that you are looking at more than just shareholder growth as a measure for success, I think that's a trend that I really hope will continue. Um, because I think that if we're going to go back and rebuild and basically create systemic change, it's going to have to be from governance, whether it's governance of communities, right? So like people getting more involved politically with their communities at the city level or at the town level, whether it's governance of countries, so better government, better politicians, and then governance of corporations. And really recognizing that, you know, we've allowed corporations to completely ignore huge external costs and major externalities that have damaged society to, to its core. And, and similarly, I'm very excited by, you know, youth activism, where you have all these younger kids that, you know, they don't have a choice. They have to get politically active and fight because their futures are being stolen from them. I like that you touched on all of that, because a lot of times I ask questions like that on the podcast and people will go immediately to like the food trends, but you've got the trends that are like the larger overarching that influence everything that's going on. And I think that's very, very cool. And at some point, maybe we could dig into some of those because I'd love to take side trails on each of those and have a conversation about it. In light of all of this, and in what you've seen also in alt protein, where do you think needs to be our next big focus area? I wouldn't just say in the future of food, but in this whole area in general, where do we need to be looking in order to keep trending in the right direction? I could have made this the fourth trend, but I'll make it the answer to your question. But we need, and I, and I wrote about this in my trends report earlier in this year, but we need 360 degree products and brands right? This kind of dovetails with all the other trends I talked about, which is people are not going to be happy anymore with, you know, a plant-based meat in plastic packaging, right? Or a fashion company that uses, you know, upcycled materials, but, you know, doesn't pay their workers enough. Or even a fashion company that is ethical and environmental, but doesn't have plus sizes and doesn't represent all body types in their marketing. So I think we are at the point of if you're going to be a successful brand in 10 years and and even to the point of who you bank with all of these companies are going to go through a reckoning and they're going to need to address everything not just one thing 
alternative protein companies. They're going to need to improve their packaging because in most cases, it's not good enough. And customers are already starting to ask questions and call them out. And social media has just made it so easy to call people out. And, you know, yes, the negative side of that is like cancel culture and, and everyone just being easily criticized. But to be very honest with you, we need people to call out brands to do better. So I think it's a net positive. And like you said, there's no easy answers. And I think everything's a trajectory. So I'm hoping that people will start to move toward that trajectory as well. I'm looking for, I don't talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I should delve into it more. I'm excited about where packaging is going. And I'd like to see more of that dovetail with food because you're right, we need to, we need to have everything across the board. So I'll ask you the big one. This is the one I usually wrap up the podcast with. If you had unlimited power and unlimited resources at your disposal and you could bring about one change in our modern food system, what would you do? I would start by getting rid of all livestock agriculture overnight, post-animal food system, other than, you know, grazing animals that we wouldn't need to eat. You know, I'm all for buffalo commons, but just I don't want to eat them. So just kind of really just boom, get rid of livestock agriculture, stop growing all the pesticide-laden feed stop deforestation, all of that. I feel like if, if we did that overnight, all these other things would get solved, right? If we stopped eating seafood and there was a moratorium on commercial fishing, then our oceans would replenish, which would be good for us on all levels. And then we would stop deforestation, which means we would allow biodiversity to continue, which means you bring back species that were on their brink of extinction or maybe previously extinct. We would have more variety of, of species just thriving. We would uh, improve our soil because we wouldn't be using so much Roundup, et, et cetera, and other pesticides because we wouldn't need to because we wouldn't need so much feed. So it's just all of these problems get solved overnight. And then, of course, our emissions would go down, which would reduce our pollution air pollution, water pollution, soil pollution. That's why I think alternative proteins do matter. Are they perfect? Not all of them, but we have such a massive crisis that it's of epic proportions. I just, I don't think people that are not in, in, in the climate space understand how serious things are. We've got nine years before it's just, we may not be able to come back. And I just feel like we can get there with alternative proteins because we can give people what they want, but take out the animals and the livestock industry. And then later we can talk about everything else, you know, regenerative agriculture, grazing, animals, all of that. We can talk about it, but first we just need to stop the livestock problem. Yeah, this is something I wish I could get some other people to understand. Like, it's like, you know, when you buy that, you're supporting factory farming, which supports this, which causes this, right? And I'm hoping that through more publications like what you're doing, and like you said, more people, Gen Z and younger millennials kind of waking up, doing their due diligence, that people start to see that we can make changes just by deciding what to buy and what not to buy. And that's not just in food. It's in everything else that you touched on, packaging and fashion and everything else. Is these, This is the way we make changes, is we have people like you putting the information out and then people using it. So where can people get all this great information connecting with you and connecting with Green Queen and seeing everything you're up to? Thank you so much. We are at www.greenqueen.com.hk. All our social handles are at greenqueenhk. 
Um, you really, if you if you're interested in the future of food, our alt protein Thursday newsletter is is pretty well known. We have a more general sustainability and climate one on Mondays where I also provide a free vegan recipe every week this year. And we have an alt fashion newsletter every month. So you can choose which newsletters you want to be signed up to. I think we provide a lot of value. So I think it's worth being on those lists. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. I usually post once a day during weekdays with, you know, a pick from our many articles. Um, or you can just, you know, browse. If you did read Queen and Queen every day, you would feel very empowered about our ability to fix some of the biggest issues of our time. And I'll put it all in the show notes for people. And I'll, I'm going to put in a plug. I just get the alt protein newsletter. I don't get the other two yet. But just from the alt protein newsletter, yes, you do provide a lot of value. So people listening, if you want to find out about anything that we've been talking about on this podcast, go and check out Green Queen and sign up for whichever newsletters that interest you. And it really does a deep dive. Uh, they do such a fantastic job getting into not just the trends, but what the impact of the trends are going to be. And I'd love to have you back sometime to chase some of these other conversations that we didn't have time to really dig deep, deep into. I really appreciate all your insights. It's a pleasure. And I'm sure we can make it happen at some point. Thank you so much. And thank you. Another big thanks to Sonali for being on the podcast. It's always great to have people from all different perspectives and all different areas of the plant-based space share what they see, what they're experiencing, their own health journeys, their own insights into this whole changing movement. I have learned a lot over the last 42 episodes of this podcast and really enjoy not only having these conversations, but being able to share them with you. With that said, I'm going to drop the CTA on you again. If you'd like to continue to support this podcast, if you haven't yet subscribed or given us a rating and a review, please go ahead and do that on your favorite podcasting platform and feel free to share it with friends, colleagues, anyone you know who's interested in hearing more about the plant-based and alternative protein space. And, you know, just people who are fellow nerds. Speaking of, that's all for this week. Tune in again next week for another fascinating conversation. Until then, stay nerdy.